Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. You're listening to episode 32-3 and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. And uh, this week we are doing a, a reprise of our topic from last week, which was the four Fs. Okay. Pernell's four Fs. What do they stand for? Don't look it up! Friendship, family, fun, and friendship. I kind of wish that one was the fourth. That's actually very good. I know. It's Friendship Foundations and Friendship Fishers. That's right. Now, last week's episode was a live show that we recorded for our Patreon members. And so if you're interested in taking part of our Patreon episodes and just hanging out in our chat room and watching it the whole thing live from start to finish, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. And that's the last time I will shill for that thing <laughs> and until the end of the episode. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but until then, I want to talk about games we're playing, because I finished a video game for now. He actually did. I finished a video game. <laughs> I was very much the shocked when I heard it, but at the same time, maybe not so much, because you were really engaged with it. I was. Rather uh, than dance around it, what was the game? I was playing Spirit Fair. This was the um, the farewell edition, the last edition of the game. Uh, they made like I think they made just two extra editions to add more characters to the game. There's a game about death. It's a game about dying. It doesn't. It's, there's, it's all metaphors. It's all metaphors in like the characters are metaphors for people, mm-hmm. but the game is about death. One hundred percent, they don't beat around the bush. You're you are fi- you're like you're, you're essentially ferrying people across the river sticks, mm-hmm. but you're trying to keep everybody happy and and, and eating and, and and trying to remember their memories of their past. Okay, this so one it's, so it's like a resource management game of like keeping everybody on the ship happy. But I feel like there's got to be something to be like mentioned here because the way you're describing it is very on point, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, I feel like. Like when you describe, like it's all about death. It's about it's death. Like it's like a death metal game. Like no, it's no, like it's, there's this. It's a where, where you, where you, where you and Mrs. talked about this to me, and the way wait, so you and you and Christy were talking about it, and I would ask questions because I've never played it. So I was very like, what is this game? And yeah, when you were describing you it to me to then. All. <laughs> oh, I wanted to see all of it, and the way yeah. you guys described it then it was more about. It's not so much about the death as it was. The events leading up to it and the making peace with your life yeah. that you lived before you cross those gates. Yes, and I think there's like eight or nine characters in the game that you meet up with. And as you're taking care of them and you're kind of like giving them a house to live on your boat and you're, and you're fixing up, they're remembering their past and they're talking to you about it. And everyone's really complicated. Everyone's had this huge complicated life and... It makes it so much more real. And then ultimately what you're doing is you're waiting for them to say that they're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And then you're taking them to a place for them to move on. And that's the game. That's the game loop. Essentially, like you got, you have to like, you know, plant plant cabbage so that you can take the cabbage and cook the cabbage. And you have to you have to mine for ore so you can take the ore and turn it into this. It's, it's, a, it's just kind of a, a repetitive. It's a very slow, repetitive game in that sense. But with everything else, you're learning about these characters' lives, and then you're seeing them essentially decide that they're ready to move on. And okay. every time I cried, okay. every time. So you like legitimately like. Obviously, I'm not gonna be like you were like, give me a tissue. But you were like, some it wells was, up in you. Yes, yeah, some more than others. Some definitely more than others. And then the end of the game, it was just it was very simple. It wasn't full of exposition. It was just like, oh, of course this is how the game ended. And I won't tell anybody and it was just so beautiful. I just teared up. I was actually gonna ask, so like good. without spoiling anything, would you say there is 
an overarching story that's connecting these yes, events. 100%. And they do conclude that at the end of the game proper. Oh, yeah. It's inevitable. And you know it from the beginning. You you mean it's it's you can it's not like a surprise. Because you know what it's the game's your birthday. A, you know what the game's about. So, but it, but the story doesn't fold about like who you are and why you're there. And and but like once you realize it, you're like, oh yeah, of course. And then like it all happens, and you're like, oh that's beautiful. And then it's gone, and you're like, okay, because it's not like a doom is a game about killing. It's not about death, you know. And then some other games might be about like, oh, it's death metal. It's all about like blackness. But this is about dying. So if anything, one could almost don't you know speculate that the game is actually about life. It is. It is. Death is a part of life. Yes. And I think the more people think about that. And, and try to give people more um, dignity in that, that time in their lives. I don't know. I don't know. I think or I feel a really I, good plate of sushi. I feel like I've been, I've, I've, I've had to deal with it so much, not just recently, but my whole life, so, so much more than I realized that I just have a, everyone has a different relationship with it, you know, and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're brought up dealing with it in different ways. So this doesn't mean for this show to turn into this, but anyway, it's a really moving game. I, I really don't blame anybody who turns it on and is like, this isn't for me and turns it off because it is super slow. Yeah. It is super duper slow. But I was like, it, like that was the kind of game that me and Christy were in the mood for. Mm-hmm. Like I want to turn it on, kind of like turn my brain off and then feel like really moved for like 30 minutes. And then like, all right, I got to go harvest some wheat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I, I got to go. And you're just like going ship back and forth, back and forth. I'm going fishing. I'm collecting a bunch of crap. But then halfway there, you're like, oh, I'll talk to the spirit Gustav. And Gustav is talking about how like he wasn't a collector of art he was a curator of art because people die and when people die their art could be lost and so their lives can live on through their artwork so he wasn't just collecting art to collect it he was collecting art to help people live forever and it was like i was like oh that's amazing it was just so nice and he was like the most stuck up annoying character in that game and i loved him for it i loved him so much that's part of so, that it. Seems great. like it's pretty cool. It's almost like a like a lesson for life there. Too. Yeah, the idea so of like many. you so have many. this character who, on the surface, is just like this arrogant, postulating jerk. And you're like, I don't want to deal with him. He just wants all this, just you know, this, I don't know, this extravagant. He wants to live an extravagant life, and he wants me to contribute to that mm. by giving me these like ex- extreme tasks that I just don't want to deal with. But at the same time, that's just his way of being to cope with what comes with his existence like yeah. who he is as a person yeah it's like you learn you learn like a little bit about their their past and their childhood so like that's that's how they got to who they to be who they are and it's like everyone's that way you know and you kind of realize that it's like so like, he's not ever. a bad guy it's just you need no, to understand it, who he is as even a like the one, there's like one character where I'm like oh I don't like him at all he was not a good person he's even he was super complicated you know and and you kind of understand that playing playing through it so human beings are complicated it's a very complicated and it's adorable like the characters are so cute and the world is really neat and and and, and it's not just if this game were on a phone or like on a touch device, you'd just be clicking on everything to do all the work. And but in this game, you're not just selecting the item and selecting the job to do. It's all platforming. So you have to like first you're, 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 you get to place and rearrange where all of the buildings go, and then you have to traverse it at, as a 2D platformer to do all of the work. And I so and I feel like that just makes it much more engaging to me anyway. If Leslie is listening to this episode, I am genuinely curious as to how she feels about how you describe the game because I know. <laughs> Like uh, maybe like back maybe back in December or so, this was like her. I can't stop playing this game. Game yeah. like that's how I learned that it existed, and which is why when you were like, "I'm oh, playing Spirit," I was like, "Oh my god, 
Yeah, I Everyone think spare someone. I think someone um, submitted some tracks from this game for one of our our Patreon episodes, and then we talked about it. We had a farewell episode, and we talked about. I talked about this game. I thought this is the one I want to play. Oh, and it was uh like games of 2021 or 2020 that I wanted to play. Okay, and that was definitely one of them. You, that means that that mean that you might be knocking out a second or maybe even third game of 2021 you wanted to play in 2022. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have groceries I need to to, to confirm. Kiko man. <laughs> Kiko man or not. See, as you guys may not know, the Nichols family is very particular about the Kiko man oil uh, soy sauce if you're doing brand. A, if you're doing a marinade, you need like the right soy sauce to penetrate whatever you're marinating. In this case, it's a, it's a fish and sometimes it's tofu. Anyway. <laughs> so you're saying what game am I, am I next looking forward to playing? Yes. Oh, shoot. What was I, what was I, what was I doing? What did I talk about? What game did I talk about? One of them was the, the next game from Hyper Light Drifter. Yeah, but that won't be till like 2023, I think. Yeah, there was a game called Concrete Genie. That came out in 2019. Yeah, PS4. I remember that. Yeah, and it's, I saw. I, I we were looking for new games to play last night, and I saw a preview of that, and I think that might be my next one. Interesting choice. It might be. It's just because it looks really different. Yeah, I think it's like some 3D platforming though. So definitely watch like a little gameplay footage to see if it's okay. Yeah, that's why I watch some gameplay footage because like ultimately, if we're getting Christine and I are gonna play games together, it has to be games that aren't. Um, they don't take a lot of dexterity mm-hmm. and that aren't really stressful. Like um, even. Oh, we're playing Detroit Becoming Human. Even when it's all quick time events mainly, but they're timed. Like something is going to happen. This character is going to get shot, and you have to press X. And there's a time timer on it, right? And now, like so one of those things though, where because sometimes they'll do quick time events, but if you miss it, that just takes you on a different oh, narrative yeah. arc. That's the coolest thing about Detroit is like at the end of a, at the end of a story or a chapter, you see like all the different paths that could have happened, but you don't see like what they are, but just that there were like 20 different branching paths. Which is fine. That's totally cool. But like, when you feel like invested in the story and you want to do something, and it's not just like, oh, Chrissy doesn't play a lot of games. She doesn't know where things are on the pad. It's when there's like a, like a stressful moment. She feels like um, almost um, uh, uh, petrified or mm-hmm. uh, the tension of getting it wrong. Yeah, you get kind of stuck. Like, oh, I don't know what to do. So, so we're looking for for like that's why turn-based RPGs are, are really good for us. So we're looking for games in that vein. I also downloaded Chrono Cross. Oh, that's a good. Well, you've played it before, though, right? Oh yeah, I played it once on the on the PlayStation ages ago. Well, tr- make sure to do the Radical Dreamers stuff. So, Radical Dreamers was a game that got released on. Everyone's going to laugh at me for this because I don't remember the exact system. Oh. But it was like some sort of like disc system. Yeah, no, no, it was. I think it was on the Saturn. No, not no, Saturn. Saturn. Not Saturn. It was um it was the Philips CDI. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I can't remember no, the no, exact but, system. I but just it's, it's supposed to flesh out the story between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. Is that right? Kind of, oh, yeah. Okay. So, and it was like, it's, there's, and it never got released in the States up until now. And at one point, it was meant to get released with Chrono Cross, but for some reason, they decided not to do it. Mm. Um, but essentially, it is a good bridge between the two games in the sense like what they were going for with the relationships that you kind of see yeah. in Chrono Cross. I feel and like, it's a visual novel, uh, so you don't have to like play anything. Yeah, I, yeah. We're also learning like I don't think that's our style of game that we like that we like to get into because we tried. We visual tried. novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying. I'll tell you more about that later. Um, not that the visual novels are not something we can talk about on the show. It's just that it's about ten minutes into the show. <laughs> I've done nothing but gush about Spirit Fair, um, which I know is not going to be everyone's cup of. Tea. Which is odd though, because for all you're like, I've been playing this game. Like I'm almost the opposite now. Like I'm still playing Elden Ring. Yeah, that's awesome. That game will never end. Everyone I talk to in my family is like, what what you up to? I'm playing Elden Ring. I'm like, all right. That's <laughs> what so your family's doing that. Yeah, all my nephews and cousins, everyone's playing. Everyone's Good playing guys. Yeah. But me though, 
aside from Elden Ring, like actual like games I could beat, like I'm not. I've been watching shows. Like I watched, I've been watching The Boys. I just finished the season finale of From, mm. which hurts because <laughs> I I don't know how I'm going to wait till the next season, which I don't say often about a TV show. Yeah, but cripes, that's going to be really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that one, starting that one. It's, I really want to start that it's, one. It's solid work. It's and, solid um, work. And there's one called Severance, which I'm really excited to start. Someone mentioned Severance oh. as a show that you would like if you liked From, so I'm moving I was. I that. read the synopsis and I watched the trailer and I'm like, that's a Purnell show. That's a thousand percent Purnell's like, cup of tea. Which means I'm going to be drinking it real soon. Yeah, um, yeah. It's and it's got. I saw it because I was like, "Oh, that's Adam Scott. I really like Adam Scott." What you about to say, Adam Sandler? Like Adam now. Sandler? No, it's Adam Scott. He's 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 a funny man, funny man. But it's not a funny show. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it looks really really good. Yeah, we start. We we got. We're watching the next season of Picard now, and um, actually, that's about it. We're not really watching much else. Yeah, keep, get, keep on the game front. I'll 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 move a little into the TV. Oh yeah, move into the game. Maybe maybe maybe. Maybe I I, it's, it's just, I just I just don't, I don't play a lot of games and when I, when we do and Christy the same way is it has to be like one game that like draws us in and when we're done Christy's always like well where can I find more games like that and I'm like there are no other games like this <laughs> that's why this was so amazing that's like, why it was like that was why it was freaking Yahtzee's game of 2020 yeah like no one's ever going to like like we finished Final Fantasy X I'm like yeah no, that's it there's like there's no other game like this Chrono Cross was the same way there's like this was its own thing. It, well, so. narrative. I mean, a gameplay, yeah, but narrative is like all those narratives yeah. generally. Like, there's nothing I, like. I am it. kind of excited to get back into Chrono Cross because I feel like I never really got the full story the first time I played it. Because I know that like just get Starkey. The first, just get, I love Starkey. The first like half of the game, you're like, oh, this is cool, and then like the story gets all weird and wacky and all convoluted, and I'm like, ah. I think I stopped paying attention. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll pay more attention. Either I'll, I'll pay more attention to the story, or I'll get obsessed with like finding every character and doing everything I can. You'll probably do the latter. Probably. That story. Yeah. I mean, I was reading the narrative synopsis recently because of the It's like Kingdom Hearts out. level nonsense, right? It really, well, nothing's <laughs> Kingdom level Hearts. <laughs> but it's it's up there, though, in that once the first plot twist happens, not to spoil for any listeners, but you, most listeners will likely know what I'm talking about if they played the game. Mm. Once the big first plot twist happens, the game immediately goes off the rails like, what is even happening uh, anymore? None of this makes sense. Why is this person with me? Why is that person selling my friend? Why is this happening? <laughs> Why? None of this matters. It's just... <laughs> nothing matters. Nothing matters. But at the same time, you're like, but now I have seven energy meters. So that's cool, right? Yeah, I remember doing a lot of that. Like, okay, just all I care about is the next magic item or whatever. And like, just, just didn't think about anything else. Or then getting the next character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit down with a walkthrough. Speaking of walkthroughs, one last game and I'm done. <laughs> I'm playing more Fantasy Star 2 on my phone. And <laughs> the game... The, the classic RPGs... Like there's so many tutorials in these games for a reason because I didn't know what I was doing. I I was going through the whole game with just these two characters. There's more than that. Oh, there's plenty more. <laughs> I didn't know. And also the character, the the, the female character Ray or whatever, Nay, whatever her name is, I, she had no weapons. You never gave her a claws. No, because because there's no claws to buy her. The only the first claws to buy the first weapon to buy her is a steel bar. And when I'm at the I'm at the weapon shop and I see steel bars, I'm like, he's like, who's gonna lug it around? I'm like, the the little girl character is gonna lug around the steel bars? No, of course not. And also, like, you have a left hand and a right hand. I didn't know that meant you got two shots during a fight. I was like, oh, that means you probably carry like a giant broadsword or something. Or a sword to shield. Exactly, that's what I thought. But the but you can have the same. You have the characters carry two of the same item, and then they get double hits in. 
That makes sense. So now I'm learning about Fantasy Star. <laughs> so now I'm going back through and I'm like, oh, the game is easy now because I was dying over and over again. Now not just getting any stats. <laughs> Being like, why am I still playing this game? Because <laughs> you weren't putting actual Because Pranel was like, no, this is the good one, Rob. You should play this one. This is the good I, one. No, hey, first this of all. This is the good one, Rob. Well, Fantasy Star 2 <laughs> is a good one for what I've heard, but I can't fully comment because I only ever played the fourth one. Like, I played some of the third some of the second, but I played the entirety mm. of the fourth one. And I will tell anybody and their grandma, we were gushing about that last night, literally. Fantasy Star 4 is up there with the Final Fantasy greats. And it's a shame that more people don't talk about it. The guy yeah. asked a question at the party. He said, if you can relive one video game moment, not the whole game which someone tried to cheat on, one video game moment for the first time, mm. what would it be? Oh, wow. And my very first answer was from Fantasy Star 4. Flat out. So yes, I will stick by Fantasy Star 4. It is up there. And it does not get nearly enough love in the present day. Which is understandable because Sega let it go aside from freaking MMO garbage. But like yeah. it deserves more love than it gets. And it's a shame that Sega just kinda let it go yeah. into the ether because it, it could be so much more than what it actually is now, I think, personally. Well, let's, let's get into some music. We should probably do that. This is a, this is a video game music podcast. Are we at the point where you got to start putting a timestamp in the It's like, if you don't want to hear us talk and just want to bop out, scroll to minute five. If you go to any of our past episodes and you feel like doing that, go to our YouTube page. I put chapter marks on everything. So if you just want to skip to the music and hear a little bit of talking and skip to the next track, it's the best way to do it. There it is. Um, all right. So Friendship, Foundations, and Fishers. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to start with you. All right. So this is going to be a weird episode because I want to get this out the way. So with this topic, get this I could out the way. Got <laughs> <laughs> that in my head. Um, like I could have gone with a lot of different stuff, but I decided mm. I wanted to try to use like pivotal moments that, that actually hammer home thoughts in my head. Um, so and thankfully I was able to get some out of the way last week. Because there were conveniently chosen oh, tracks by our Patreon members, like Metal Gear Solid. So I was able to bring up like meeting Mike and playing that game mm -hmm. and Pokemon. So the ECPL was covered. So now there's everything else. <laughs> so I'm good. I'm good. Um, so we're going to start here. This comes from the game Poppin' Music 2, yeah. which is on like the Dreamcast and Arcade. But I played on the Dreamcast, so whatever. Um, this is Cherry and Raquel, which was genre as Lounge. Composed or, you know, assisted by Hiroyuki Togo, Sane Shintani, Hiroyoshi Takeyasu, and Kiyo Takasugimoto.
Welcome back. You are listening to Cherry and Raquel, the theme for the lounge genre at the time, anyway, from the game Poppin' Music 2 on the Dreamcast, composed or assisted in composition by Hiroyuki Togo, Sane Shintani, Hiroyoshi Takeyasu, and Kiyotaka Sugimoto. So, mm. first and foremost. First of all, good, good, good pick. Thank you, sir. I mean, Thanks. like, the fact that this type of music was in a rhythm game is awesome. Yeah. Super cool. And I, I, uh, and I love it. I love popping music for that. I want to say, if anything, back in the day, the earlier B-Money games, like, of their early renditions, the DDRs, the Poppins, the Beat Manias, they had the majority of tracks that kind of had this vibe. Like, they were experimenting at the time. Like, what are we going to go with for the sound vibe that our game puts out? Right. So, they were just, like, putting it all out there. So, first and foremost, it's worth noting, and I think this show embodies this, music brings people together, and by that extension, rhythm games also bring people together. Um, it's funny because a lot of people might, like, if you go out like, to like an anime con or something, a lot of people were like got into this whole thing from like the DDR games because they were in a lot of arcades. You could access them and play them. But oddly enough, for me, the one that got me into this whole thing, including DDR was Papa music mm. and that sparked from meeting someone at a convention in 19, 1999 who was like you got to play this game with me called Papa music it's one of my favorite games of all time I'm like that game sounds really stupid but i had a crush on this person so <laughs> i was like i will i will play whatever game you want let's see how this goes so we she invited me to a follow-up convention which was KatsuCon down in, I'm going to say at the time it was being held in like D.C., the D.C. area. It wasn't in Baltimore yet. Mm -hmm. And um, at that convention, I met a number of interesting people. I met two friends, one of which is still a good friend of mine. They were both eventually like the co-staffers uh, you know, for the first MAGFest game room with me. I met Eddie, who ended up founding Bimani Style. And I met my friend Justin, who eventually linked me up with all my friends in Chicago. And we were all connecting on this game that this one girl really liked being Papa Music. And at the time, Papa Music had arcade versions, but none of us had played them because that was before like, people were importing arcade machines left and right. Um, but the Dreamcast version existed and you could import it. Right. So what ended up happening was we all sat around a Dreamcast. We linked controllers to a four controllers and we all collectively played Classic 2 with hopes of beating this one song <laughs> that apparently was so hard back then. Now it's kind of a joke to the main community. But back then, we were struggling. But it was this fun bonding experience, like combining two buttons. And I started thinking about this game more recently, too, because we remember I went to the arcade last weekend. Yeah, yeah. So this, they, they don't have that machine there anymore, do they? I don't or, think so, because no. they just actually got like four new machines. They swapped a bunch of stuff around, and I yeah. didn't see pop. I remember... There's a there's a, um, a, P, a, a a Pennsylvania rhythm gamers like community on Facebook and Discord and they were talking about like what was getting what was what were their, what was going missing what was getting added because of course everyone's like oh they don't get rid of whatever game they're playing well the guy was telling me because one of the staffers walked up to me while I was standing around the, the people and he was asking me hey is everything okay guys what do you like about the new setup blah 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 and I was like it's great and all but where's the problem music machine. And he was explaining, he was like, oh, it's actually still in storage because mm -hmm. it was one of those we would moved out the way because it's getting a lot of play. And I was talking, of course, like, yeah. get a better version. And we'll yeah, talk. You, you can't hear anything, and it looks like crap. And also, I got to be honest, man, Papa Music is its inscrutable to the English-speaking community. It's a pain, yeah, because you can't read the menus and You can't stuff. read the menus. Half the people who start that game start that game in some weird, like, basic mode that's, like, two players. It's and not fun. And not fun. It makes no sense. But what was interesting, though, mind you, when he left, one of the guys who was playing the pump game with me 
mm. was like looked at me in a shocked with a shocked expression like you know about popping music i'm like do i know about popping music popping music is why i'm playing this <laughs> like what are you talking about and it was like that was when I really realized how much of an old head I am. Like, yeah, and yeah. I'll lay this out before I stop ram before I stop rambling. But just the fact that, so I go to the arcade. Rob sometimes goes because he, now he has to step in his base. We just need to give those people yeah, money but anymore. Like, seeing you play, I make got me like really nostalgic. For, like I should go out and like play DDR and pump again. And then I, then I remembered. I was like, oh, that's right. I stopped playing pump in the arcade because it was destroying my shoes. <laughs> yeah, and that machine will still do that. Ugh. But like, it's weird in the sense that like I stopped playing. Back when I was in like, m- like my mid twenties, because everybody, I mean, everyone moved on, like their lives kind of moved on, to like families and stuff. Mm. And in addition to that, our main machine disappeared, like it was down on the riverfront. So I was like, okay, well, I don't play anymore. And then when the round one opened up in our area, and I had more regular access to it, I was like, again, like ten to fifteen years older, and I was much fatter. But I was like, I gotta play this game again. Maybe I help me lose some weight. And plus, I was feeling nostalgic. And I'm better at the game now in yeah. my 40s than I was <laughs> in my mid-20s. And that shocks me. Yeah, like, I love how that works out. I'm the only guy there that doesn't use the bar. And people watch me do doubles, like yeah. high-level doubles. I can't do doubles with the bar. I tried. I don't know how they do. It looks like it looks. It just looks painful. Well, well, seeing like the high, high-level stuff, I don't know how you can do it without the bar. But even then, it just it, it is a muscle group I've never really worked. It's heavy on the core. It is super, yeah, heavy on the shoulders. Right. Um, but no, yeah, there's there's a stamina player I watched called uh, Dom, and he plays stamina no bar at this insanely high level. I don't know how he's able to stay so still and not touch the, it moves so quickly. It freaks me out. Yeah, it's really, really impressive. And if anybody's listening, they're like, And he's our age. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's this, an old head That too. just makes me feel good. Like, well, it's, it's still possible, well, guys. Most, I would, not most, but a lot of rhythm game players, especially the dance game players, are are either our age or burgeoning on our age. So and that's hearing, because it's just such an older, it's an older game. So worth listening to, folks. Whenever you see somebody share one of those stupid memes that says, how do you know I'm 40? I broke a bone bending over to tie my shoe. That's nonsense. Don't let anybody tell you you have to be some invalid because you aged to 40. If you want to get up and start doing stuff, you absolutely can. There's tons of proof out there that says so, and you can do it having fun. I ramble a lot, but that's something that has irked me for so long. Every yeah. time I see that meme, like, oh, man, I, I live well, with people. Stop I mean, living the meme. I mean, things do kind of happen. Like, oh, they do. I, I thought I broke my neck once trying to get out of bed, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I bopped up. I tore up my back doing a side dip. Like, I get it, yeah. but there's a difference between I just kind of got hurt, but that's my reason for not doing anything else. Yeah, I think it's a terrible exercise, too. Like, that exercise is like... It's the, the risk of injuring yourself doing that exercise. It does not outweigh the reward that you get from doing that Which exercise. is why I don't do it anymore. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Uh, anyway, judgments aside, uh, my next track is also from Rhythm Game. This is my post-DDR Rhythm Game. This is from In The Groove. This is ITG In The Groove 2. The track is called Jusha, and it is composed by Smiley, a.k.a. Kyle Ward, who is the Naoki Maeda of, of In The Groove. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Naoki Maeda did so much music in DDR under, like, different names. But it's always the same guy. So even though it was, even though there were tracks that said feature Naoki, he also did other stuff with big oh, names. T- a billion of them. Like, 2MB, Paranoia, all that stuff. It was, if you don't know who it was, if it was, like, some kind of weird um, uh, alias, it was usually Naoki. <laughs> he just wanted to make the, like, and, add out the yeah, roster of and, composers. And Kyle Ward, it was, like, kind of the main developer, the main 
person behind In The Groove, he also did almost like 80% of the music. Uh-huh. So we're going to listen to Zhusha from In The Groove 2 for the uh, arcade and the Sony PlayStation 2. There's the, there's the rubber ducky sound. Um, that was Zhusha, X-U-X-A Zhusha, from In the Groove to it's in the arcade. It was in the for the PlayStation 2. It was composed by Kyle Ward. It is, it's one of my favorite songs in the game. It's, 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 we were talking about Happy Hardcore, I think, uh, last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's right. There's a bunch of Happy Hardcore in In the Groove. And it was really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny, like, right before the break happened, I was surprised that he said Shusha because this song, believe it or not, is actually in the Pump It Up game I've been playing, too, and Rob was yeah. explaining to me why it actually ended up in there. So when In The Groove came out, they re- I don't know how many it was, like 1,000, 2,000 cabinets, and then they did the, the, the upgrade or the second version In The Groove 2, and he had partnered with, he being Kyle Ward, had partnered with Andamiro, who was the, the, the producer for um, Pump It Up. Uh, to create the cabinets, so the ca- that's why the cabinets, the the bars are kind of a similar shape to the bars of Pump It Up, which is really really nice because the bars on DDR are really narrow, yes they and are, are really hard on your shoulders. And so, but the bars for Pump It Up and the bars for In the Groove are nice and wide for a nice tall American sized shoulder width. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So they're very very nice. And those machines, like they're second hand, like there's, they only made so many of them, and they're really expensive, super duper expensive second hand still. Um, so. Past, I played DDR forever, you know, since I was, I guess, 19 or 20, off and on until after Extreme. There were really no more new games that were coming out in the States. Yeah, they dried up. It all dried up. And playing the same game over and over and over wasn't exactly fun. So I started playing Pump It Up a whole lot more. And and as I was playing Pump It Up, I met a guy named Brad mm-hmm. at a 
Was that a uh, Super Just Games? Super Chess? I'm almost positive it was Super Just Games. Either there it was at People's Plaza. People's Plaza, yeah. It was at that it was at, it was at that movie theater at People's yeah. Plaza, yeah. So I was playing there all the time, and then someone had upgraded one of their DDR machines to In the Groove, and then I discovered what DDR could be like, <laughs> and I became obsessed with this game, and he did too. And I think I was in my 20s, and he was still like 17, and we would meet up, uh, he would hop in my car, <laughs> and we would drive to all these arcades to find these In the Groove 2 machines so that we could just try to keep playing and playing and playing and try to get better at them. Because the, the, the games were just so much more interesting and so much harder than DDR ever was. And then, of course, like a year or two later, um, Konami filed suit against uh, Konami. No, Konami, oh, Konami, filed, filed Konami filed suit against Kyle Ward, infringing on the rights of a four-panel dance game. Do you know if his, did his company for that game have a name at any point? Yeah, it was called Rocksore. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, it was it's mainly because they were they were creating um, upgrade kits for machines that already existed. Already existing. Like. But I mean, like Kyle Ward and them, they didn't think new machines were ever going to come out again. In fact, the machines they were upgrading were never Japanese machines to begin with. They were half of them were Chinese or Korean you know, knockoffs. Like knockoffs. Because Konami, they weren't they weren't really focused on the American market, on the Western market. They were just releasing stuff for Japan. Which actually made me really sad. Yeah, to this we, day, even to this day, it's bad about it. Still very much like that. Like, so, did you know there's yeah. like a machine that came out? One of the machines that came out up, up in, at round one. The guy was telling me they have to play it offline because they only have the music rights. Yeah. to have the online stuff. It's running, stupid. I hate, I hate it. Because anyway, so after they filed suit um, against uh, uh, Rocksor, they were like, "Look, you can either you know spend this much money or this or that." And so they eventually sold the rights to Rocksor back to Konami, which means that now Konami owns In the Groove, mm-hmm. which means In the Groove is dead. Mm-hmm. In the Groove is based on Stepmania, which is the PC game. Um, the engine is so that means the last revision they released an update that you can put on your machine that allowed custom songs step mania files to be played on a USB stick on public machines and then an entire new community grew out of that and then we, and that's what we did we would go on forums and go online and download all of these songs that people play out with their fingers on keyboard uh-huh. and plug them into the machine and just try to play them you gotta admit though and that's no how we do how it you slice it and they're awesome that was probably one of the best corporate FUs it was. in the history it of is. gaming I still think about it it's called R21 and it was like y'all we, we can't do it anymore well I guess boom this is for the community time to flood the gates yeah so now um, Kyle Ward has a new uh, new uh, company called Step Maniacs or Step Mania X essentially and it's a, it is a, it's a five panel game but in the same four panel configuration of DDR but with a panel in the center and to get around the whole copyright infringement they have just no targets on top it has, it's not it's not uh, arrows scrolling up to targets on the top it's arrows just scrolling up oh and you just have to know when to step on exactly so it's a little confusing it's amazing how they were able to get around with this slight change but since like DDR became a new like it, it, I guess it's like a resurgence in the interest in, in dance gaming in America All like they're selling out their pads every time they do a new run I mean I own one that I had to buy second hand honestly I still sometimes contemplate buying like a metal pump pad if they exist they do they do you can buy them off of the machines people just people park them out I'm telling you, if you're interested, I'm part of so many groups trying to find these things. <laughs> Imagine sitting in my base and my neighbor would kill me, but I'd be like, you know, between the hours of 12 and 8, what you do, else time. What you do is you get, people play, people buy these things and there's all this talk about like, I live in an apartment, how can I play this game without bugging my neighbors? You get um, gym mats, put them underneath, uh, put them on, underneath the pad. Which is convenient because I actually have gym mats. Yeah, and you can, use, right you can use headphones while you play. Anyway, 
it all works out. So anyway, me and Brad, we got really, really close because we were, we were traveling essentially over an hour and a half every Sunday two places to play for about two hours and then driving home an hour and a half. I'm going to flat out say, when this episode releases, so you awful. better, if you don't, I'm going to share this with Brad. You need to hear this. What? That you're actually, that's just an episode you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, that's talking about, that, I talked about him, yeah. Ow. But it's like, it's a, good, it's a good thing to hear sometimes, you know, like, when it's like, hey, hey I don't know if people really remember what these interactions <laughs> we had anymore. It's like, clearly people do. I was getting burned out from traveling that much. And I guess we were both getting older and we sort of like kind of fell apart. I mean, He's still an awesome guy. I really, really like him. I just, we just don't really chat. So. It's almost as if if he got off his butt, we could all go to round one and play a dance game. <laughs> I'm not. I'm saying this. It's not all on the other person. Because I'm, no, I'm, not, well, I'm <laughs> saying. I'm saying like in a sense where like collectively we'll all oh, do it. But if I got off my butt, yeah, I yeah, could. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. But I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm living the dream. I can. I can play a you set. Play your basement. I can go downstairs play a set. Without having to drive an hour and a half into Pennsylvania somewhere. And waiting play. in line for the next person. What killed it for me was driving all the way out there. It was almost in Reading. That's how far I'm going. There's a trick. I get out there, and there's a tournament going on. And I'm <sighs> like, what? I spent my whole Sunday. And to I come to something where I can't even play. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm never doing this again. Or or one time I went out. It was in Pottstown. Mm-hmm. And I drive up there. That was like an hour 15 away. I drive up there. <laughs> And then the, the gates are closed. They closed the they closed the entire arcade down. Was it for like a private event or no, something? No, it was just done. Oh Jesus! Yeah, was it that confetti arcade place? Yeah, yeah that guy, like weirdo. Yeah, that creepy jerk. Yeah, I mean, the people who worked there, awesome. I mean, Amber worked there. Ryan and oh, I forget the other guy's name. He was kind of weird, but he was well, a nice dude. Another lesson for life: the person who owns the company doesn't necessarily speak for the people who are just trying to make no, a living. No, at and all company. of them have words to say about that guy. But still, like it was. It was the only place to really find these machines. And, and the machines that were hacked to play custom content, because all I care about is custom content. Um, I have a lot of nostalgia for the classic DDR songs and the classic ITG songs, but, but I just I, but I've the played them you. to death. Yeah. So I'm okay with not playing them again. And that was like a fun bridge there, because you were like, I just like playing new songs. I'm like, it has to be official for it to matter. I don't think I'm that way anymore. But back in the day, I was like, I can't play it without official. Oh, 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 that's a big argument for Dance Dance Revolution players now, is that there's no official set of songs for people to compete against each other with. But now the community has come together and said, here is a pack of songs. We have an online scorekeeping system. And there's an entire season where everyone competes against each other online. And that's smart. And it's going on right now. It's called the International Timing League. I um, love that. The ITL. And it's, it's, it started like last month. And then the Stamina, Stamina League is um, starts in May. But that's been going on for the past 10 years. I've, been, I've competed the past three. See, I think that's actually really awesome. terrible at it. <laughs> Meanwhile, DDR A20, which actually got a release... Uh, sorry, DDR A20 Plus, which actually did get a release this year because it has 2022 on the machine. Yeah. Is like, it's just, people play it, but it's nothing like it used to be. Like, it's nothing like it used to be because like they there's so much that ITG did to the game of just four arrows that DDR has never done and still hasn't done. You know, with like uh, different types of steps, adding mines on specific steps, not just entire shock yeah, mines, arrows. Mines kill me. Like tons, like so many interesting um, uh, rhythms and stuff. They just, I don't know what it is. It's just not the, it's not the same. They rested on their laurels. It's just, it's just J-pop. <laughs> J-pop. And, and anime theme songs. Anime theme songs. That's all it sounds like to me. All right, I'm done. I'll, I'll stop waxing on about uh, 
about dance games and I, stuff. Part of me, I will say, I mean, the, I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure how the listeners feel, but part of me feels like a lot part of like this episode, and also with the Patreon episode, I feel like it was more about the stories that come with the tracks than the tracks themselves. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, we we this show does. I mean, we do get into nostalgia, but this is like a lot of personal nostalgia. So yeah. I, I might put like a little disclaimer. It's like, hey, if you want to know more about us, check this episode out. Yeah, I think that's a good vibe to it too, because. I think I, I think I like hearing about what the listeners are all about. I like yeah. getting to know. Well, the another listeners. reason I'm playing at home a lot is because these because the listeners it's because of the listeners. I love the listeners. No, the um uh, the machines are always in these places where like kids were having birthday parties and stuff. And I'm in like at the time I'm in my 30s and now I'm in my 40s. <laughs> I don't I don't play. It's a lot harder to dodge a five year old as he's running across your pad when you're and in like, the middle. And of all a these in, this in the groove machines where there's a place called Expos in Smyrna and I'm like is impeccably maintained they let us turn the volume all the way up and we're sitting there playing like dragon force and we're all like yeah this is awesome and there's like the four-year-old kids running around with like yeah. birthday cake on their faces and i'm like oh man i wish i had birthday cake i wish i had birthday cake. <laughs> so it's a lot yeah but round one does make it a little bit more it's like oh people are going there for rhythm games oh they treat it yeah. right it's great i, I, I do like that okay so what's your next pick all right so i'm going to shift to the friendship fishers element here because i do have fond memories of this little bit too this comes from the game Chippendale Rescue Rangers mm. on the Nintendo Entertainment oh, System. Oh, I got a story about that one. <laughs> and this is the theme for Zone B, composed by Harumi Fujita. Classic stuff. Great guy, he's got a cool shirt. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, where's the tie? I don't know. I've never met him in person. It's cool. He's okay. He writes tracks for video games. <laughs> when we listen, we get down and bop to the tracks that we like to smile about playing games. I'm done with that. I'm going to talk about no, 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 why no, no, I chose no, 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 this no. track. No, no, your, your whole story has to be to the... <laughs> oh, God, I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's a fast song. I say probably, yes, yeah, it's probably too fast. It's fast. It's got a good swing to it. It really does. Like This is a danceable one. Yeah. Like... I love every, well, it goes, we did a whole episode on Disney Capcom, so it stands to reason that we like every track. Yeah. Most of the tracks from Actually, Disney Capcom games from the NES Swing. Era. Swing would be a really good topic. Any, any music with a swing beat to it. Oh, I would, I, yeah, I got to prep for it, but I would totally get down with that yeah, topic. That'd be tough. But like, 
this is like it's already a good track and i love all the music from these games but the reason why i chose this track and i feel like this is synonymous with a lot of other scenarios in life too but there's one particular one but that environment when we were kids and you'd play games with your friends and one or two or more weren't particularly fond of losing at said game or they weren't happy when something didn't go their way in said <laughs> game. Yep. Sometimes leading to various repercussions, whether they involve fisticuffs or not, <laughs> depending on the people you were gaming with. <laughs> Thankfully, in this scenario, fisticuffs weren't typically involved, mainly because the person knew I would take them down if they attacked me for something stupid like a game. Um, mm. But what did happen was I, when I was a kid, again, like since all the neighborhood kids, none of us really had money. So generally, when someone came across a game that could be shared, everyone kind of collectively got yeah. together to play that game. Like these two-player games were like gold. Yes. Yeah. Usually in someone's basement because mm. the parents didn't want you invading the living room TV. So everybody gathered in the basement. Chippendale Rescue Rangers was a pretty big one on Northside with my family. Because like, I would go there to stay after school. Like a, like, and that, that was before I became a latchkey kid. Sorry. Before I became a latchkey kid. I would go to like my grandmother's house after school and hang out on that side of town. Mm. And I had a couple friends that lived in that area. William and George were those two friends. I don't know where they are nowadays, but back then, it was wonderful. We would go down and we would play various NES games that we came across, whether someone donated them, bought them with a gift. I don't know where they would come from. And one of those games was Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Now, a lot of people like to say that Contra was like one of the best co-op games, you know, working together to stop an alien menace. (laughs) Um, But I would say Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers was that actual game. Because it was really simple, which means it didn't take a lot to teach anyone. Pick up a box, throw the box, and hit things with it. And it felt really good to do that. I felt like the 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 gameplay, like the controls in that game, felt really good. Yes, the picking up the box was really fast, snappy, and had that pew pew. And it made sense to do it. Yeah, it was so good. Mm -hmm. And we would play this game, knowing that you know there was no skill level. It was just or no no skill ceiling. Just pick it up and play, have fun. And we played co-op. Now. The thing that made this game rough, though, was the fact that even though you couldn't technically quote-unquote kill each other in most ways, there was still friendly fire. If I pick up a crate and I throw the crate at a mechanical dog and you just happen to be in front of that crate, you get hit and you get stunned. It didn't kill you, but man, was it annoying when it happened yeah, to you. Oh, and you can accidentally or intentionally pick up your friends. That's right. You <laughs> throw them into pits or into dogs. It right. was a lot of frustrating fun and the last thing you could do that was really annoying was you could scroll them off the screen like if yeah. you were climbing up on like a like an electrical pole and you just jumped a little too fast boop, dead but why'd you go so fast i was trying to get the heart of the last was there, what, that I boxed. were there any vertical scrolling uh, uh stages in that game i can't remember if there were no i think there was, there, it was might like have been. A, there was like a tree you had to scale at one point mm. that was a full level that was anytime there was like a vertical scrolling stage like contra or any of those two-player uh, battle toads mm-hmm. It was it's designed to destroy, like you're you're just just get frustration and, and angry at your friends and and even as early as the first yeah. level, there destroy was a part where you had to like jump <laughs> up, you had to get up basically onto the electrical wires, mm-hmm. so you had to jump up the pole and then go left and then jump up a pole again. Yeah, and that's right. A lot of that. death happened then. <laughs> yeah. So what happened that we're hanging out with William and George? Either one of them, they were both pretty you know crybaby types, which I'm not insulting. I love them to death, even now. Um, one of us would outscroll the other, usually me. Um, because I was rushing. I wanted to get oh, to the of level. Of course it was you. Of course it was me. I wanted to get things done. I was efficient, Rob. Efficient. <laughs> um, this is all happening. One of them would get mad at me. They would throw a box in my head. I would get hit. Then the mechanical dog would walk in while I was done. I would die. 
I get mad about that. So then I'm like, all right, fine, you want to play that game? Let's play it. And I'm doing everything in my power to make sure they don't make it to the end of the game with me. Because <laughs> if you want to be a jerk, we can be jerks. So it's not longer a co-op game, it's a race. It's a race. <laughs> and you're going to lose. Yeah, keep up. So what ends up happening, of course, the tantrums would set in, the yelling would commence, anger sets in, and due to the fact that physicals weren't flying, what you could do was get the person thrown out of your house. And unfortunately, I was always the visiting player. So, yelling and screaming, it's like it's equivalent to the Simpsons episode where like like where like Bart and Millhouse were hanging out. He's like, hey, come on, don't hog them. Don't be a cup and ball hogger fighting back. Oh, Bart's smoking. Yep. And then the mob comes, jags him up, takes him out of the house. That happened to me on multiple occasions. That's amazing. Mom Purnell's being a jerk. Mom <laughs> Purnell's yelling. Mom Purnell's not playing fair. Get out, Purnell. Get out of the house. So I would get yelled out of the house. It was something I look back on it with hilarity. Like, I really got thrown out of the house over this video game. See you tomorrow. <laughs> and I'd see them tomorrow. We'd hang out again. Like, Because it was still happened. an awesome game that everyone was like, oh, that's right. This is a really good game. Yeah. yeah. Everyone like, wants to play it. But still, still. Got got rowdy. And I, that happened with other games, too. It wasn't even just Chip and Dale Rescue <laughs> Rangers. But that's the one that stands out the most to me. Oh, yeah. And, like, even now, like, they're just... It's not too many times where that happens as an adult. Like, generally, if it happens as an adult, that's generally someone you don't want to hang out with anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As an adult, you, you, you ain't got time for this. Yeah. Like, no, we're done. This is it. But as a kid, oh, yeah, it's like, what? What? I, think the, I feel like the adult version of this, and I think I'm, an, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this, as you can attest, is losing at a game. And rather than being like, you know, good game, it's more like, how many ways could I lose that I could have improved upon to not have lost so badly? Oh, I gave you those points. I gave you those points. Yeah, now I make that decision. As an adult, you can have a postmortem and be like, okay, what what have I done differently? What 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 could have I have what could have I learned? Is it just that Purnell's faster on the B button than I am? <laughs> Maybe if I were picking up crates a little quicker. I think he's cheating. Well, no. That's yeah. No, I'm I'm not the game genie. You're not invited for dinner anymore. <laughs> See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> All right, my next track is coming from the game. Let's see here. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. This is for the arcade, the Dreamcast. I think it was on the, on the PlayStation 2. It's composed by Tetsuya Shibata and Mitsuhiko Takana. We're going to listen to the River Stage from Marvel Capcom 2. It's Capcom, baby. <laughs> Marvel. It's Marvel, baby.
Oh, yeah. Wipe those tears away. <laughs> Wipe those tears away. You're getting a beat down. This is uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. This is the River Stage, composed by Tetsuya Shibata and Mitsuhiko Takano. I this, love this. This song on its own is so good. It's, it's so good. It's a bop. I just laugh at the idea that, like, we the two things that came up during the break is, like, I looked at Rob, I was like, this is probably one of the best OSTs for one of the most inappropriate games for it to be in. <laughs> and then the next thought I had was, and, like, Rob thankfully confirmed it, I was like, this had better be a Fisher's bass track because yeah. the line, nobody to dry your eyes, is perfect. I can't think of many, like, it's like real fights that started over games, but I played a lot of Marvel Capcom. I played a lot of fighting games. And this is the one that probably frustrated me and my friends the most, more than anybody. So I started playing Marvel Capcom 2. Marvel Capcom versus Marvel versus Capcom 2 as soon as it came out because I was working at an arcade at the time and we got it first. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that's the game we were all playing over and over and over again, trying to get good at it. I would say every two or three years, the game changed. Like the entire, like the meta of the game changed. Like you thought you knew how to play and then someone knew something completely different. Hyper Viper B. So now, now it's like if you play someone who's like a pro at the game, there's only four characters they use. And there's like actual tournaments called like low tier tournaments where they choose, you, like certain characters are just banned. You have to play like the lowest tier characters. I like the sound of that. Because there's like 50 some characters in the game, so it's not balanced. And I remember it a can't, star. It can't, it can't be entirely balanced. Yeah, like uh, a Jill or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I, anyway, I got pretty good at this game. I used to play in the arcades a whole, whole bunch. So all of my skill was with a joystick. And so we started having these um, these game nights at um, an old friend Matt's house. And Matt would be there and Jack would be there. All these other people would be there. And every night, it's every night or every Friday, we'd all get together and get like beers and pizza and just play fighting games, King of Fighters, Street Fighter, and, and, and inevitably Marvel versus Capcom on the Dreamcast. Do you remember what your dream team was? Um, Rogue, Iron Man, and I forget who else. But it was all, Rogue was always my point person because uh-huh. I could have everyone else back up with assists, but I could play Rogue to death because I was really, really good with her. Was it, I bet it was probably Tron Bond. Because she was a gem in that game. Was she in Almost two? broken. She yeah, yeah. I don't think I played Trauma. It was it was definitely like Rogue and like two robotic characters. So I know it, I know Iron Man was in there. Iron Man's Iron Man's a good good tier character in that game. But anyway, so um, <laughs> I want to play Marvel Capcom again now, and I can't because there's there's no version to play online anymore. Yeah, which sucks. I think the closest one was like it got re-released on 360. Yeah, that's the maybe... last time it came out. That sucks. And I, and I went back and I played it again with um, Peppa Jack. I forget his name. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I just call him Peppa Jack. Um, that's that, was, that, was, that was his show. handle on 360. I just go to show how arcade bonds formed too. Like many, many people only knew each other for years yeah. solely by their handles. By their handles, yeah. Actually, in the DDR scene, no one knew my name except for my DJ name at the time which no one here will ever know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I got really good with a joystick playing Marvel Capcom in the arcade that when we would play at the house, I would just wreck people. And it was always like winter stays on. And it would be like, all right, we got to play something new. I'm like, but I want to play this game. No, we're playing something new, Rob. <laughs> I like winning so, so much. So eventually, either they turned the game off or they handed me a controller. <laughs> they, they had to nerf your skills. They had to nerf me. So 
And um, the only way I could actually play the game was to have a, my thumb on the control and then actually turn my hand over and hit the buttons like a joystick oh. with my, my index finger. And my that makes sense, too, because to hit like the two punch buttons or two kicks with your thumb was really well, hard. It was like muscle memory for all the combos. Like I knew where my fingers went, and then once I suddenly had to switch to my thumb, I was like, where did my fingers go? Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean... I guess with a game like this, it makes sense. But anything else, it's like just just adapt, Rob. Eventually, <laughs> I, I did a little bit, but and on a whim too, I thought about mm. I thought about this too. Like fighting games are a really good one for like the friendship Fishers bit because I oh, feel like it's, it's outside so competitive, of, yeah. And outside of sports games, I want to say fighting is probably the biggest genre mm. of game where people drop money matches. Oh, and yeah. oh, if yeah. there's going to be anything that's going to make people fight. Is losing money at a video game. When I left the arcade, there were money matches going on after hours I didn't know about. Uh, eventually, someone told me. They were like, oh, yeah, people were really upset. People were getting into fights. We called security. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, people are losing big money over this game. I've seen money matches where the person would win, and out of fear, they would let the person keep their money. Like, it's <laughs> oh like my God. money matches could get really you know, the rough. The last, last big Street Fighter Four tournament that I went to was in Philly. And before the tournament starts, people were like, "Okay, look, I had to take the bus. I had to take two, two. I take a train and two buses to get down here from New York. I need to make this money back." So <laughs> they would like money match people trying to like make money back. Five will get you twenty. Rogue will get you Colossus. Right, Come first, on. <laughs> first to ten for hundred dollars. You know, it was it was pretty. And I watched. Um, I watched. No whammy, no whammy. Hyper combo finish. I watched um, Justin Wong and um, New York uh, NY Chris or NYC Chris. And they were playing for like a thousand dollars. It was like Bison versus somebody. It was like a side table. They were just like had like this thing, and they promoted it on their Twitter. Just to casually be like, I got a grand on this match. Yeah, it was like a, it wasn't even casual. It was like it was a thing they were doing. And there was like tons of people. You couldn't get through to watch anything else because all these people were surrounding like this little TV with these two people playing the game. And honestly, I gotta or, tell you, obviously, I mean, like definitely, it's some of the best players ever. And I gotta say, there's a part of me, while which is why it makes me sad that I never got into fighting games because depending on like where I'm at. Fighting game matches can still be that level of intense. Like a few years ago, I stumbled across Winter Brawl because a friend of mine was like, you want to hang out? We're all going to be at this thing. And I was like, sure. And Winter Brawl, at least that year, was happening mm -hmm. near us. So I went up there, and there was like this huge room of people, and that Sonic Fox guy was asking. That's the first time I'd ever seen him. Oh, that guy's amazing. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, the, the, the Big E Gaming. That, that's the guy who went to the one that I, the first, the, the big, big one that I went to. It was the summer summer, summer one. I went to. It wasn't called Summer Ball Brawl. I forget Winter Brawl and Summer Smash, I don't know. Summer Smash seems like it would be. It seems, seems about right. But, like, to watch everybody there get this level of energy about them, oh. watching these two characters go at it with it's each great. other in a game. Like, it was, like, this is a concept. I feel like if you had the crowd, it could be televised. Because, oh, yeah. Because on one hand, the players don't get too engaged. But yeah. really, when you watch, like, a sports match on TV, do you really expect the golfers to be like, in your face, bro? Like, oh, Street Fighter, golf. yeah. The, the, the Street Fighter scene, the fighting game community scene, like, going to this tournament, so there's so much energy and people, like, yelling. It is like watching a sports match where everyone's obsessed with the game. Yeah. Um, and so they've tried to televise it. Like, Street Fighter Five, when that came out, Capcom really pushed, like, the Street Fighter League, the Capcom League. And a lot of it was being televised on TBS, but it was like stripped down. It was just like it had two teams of like five players, and then there was like um, commentators. But like no one's yelling at each other. They can't curse at each other. Yeah, there isn't like energy. a room full of like fifty people like yelling and like cheering for every time someone lands a combo. Um, so it's just like all the energy was like stripped out of it. But then like you go on like on Twitch or on YouTube and you watch these tournaments and you're like everyone's like screaming when someone brings a character out and. 
They may try again, though, because I know we were having a conversation not too long ago. They announced the logo for, I want to say it was Street Fighter Six. Yeah, I and mean. And it was really dry. Like, it was a very dry-looking logo, and we were like, why would it be dry. so dry? <laughs> yeah. And somebody made a good point. They're like, they think they wanted to make it like that because they wanted to be, you know, be copacetic with, like, the, the basic form of, like, a typical eSports logo. Yeah. So not too busy, but something that can be passed around on, like, a bunch of networks and just displayed. So who knows? Maybe Street Fighter Six they might make another attempt at that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would love for it to, to feel more like four. Four was more defensive style game. Um, probably not as exciting to watch, but we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I, I stopped playing five a while ago. I may not play again. No, you retired. Maybe, yeah, maybe, 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 even maybe I'm retired. I just don't feel like playing like that anymore. We gotta get you back out in the scene. Why can't we be friends? <laughs> Why can't we be friends? They have, they have a, they have a four cabinet at a Street Fighter Four cabinet at round one. That's always, that's always fun to get into. Yeah, they got rid of my boy Abel because no one liked him. They actually took him out. Oh, I mean for five. For five, yeah. They, they, he's never, he's never coming back. No one, no one liked that character. Do they have other grapplers though? They do, but they're not, they're not like Abel. Abel was, Abel was a good mixture. He was, a G, he was lightning in a bottle. He was very good. I liked him a lot. Probably because no one liked him. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the best character was like, how is he beating me with this nobody? Like, yeah. Maybe you'll find out if that's you how, get that, a win. That, I feel it's, I, half the time I felt like I was getting lucky because no one knew how to defend against a character they never played against. Hey, it still counts. Win I think so. A win. It wins a win. It truly is. All right, what's your next track? All right, so my next track comes from the game The Mummy Demastered. Oh, and yeah. the track title is called Hematic Furiant. That's an interesting name. Composed by Gavin Allen, who goes by Monomer. You're listening to Hematic Furiant from the game The Mummy Demastered, composed by Gavin Allen, who goes by the name Monomer. This was released on, I want to say, PS4, Xbox, Steam. Yeah, I think I nailed those right. It could have been PS... Yeah, those systems. I'm sticking to it. If I'm wrong, <laughs> I don't care. I'm leaving it. Um, so you might be asking yourself, particularly, why would I... You may find yourself... Living in a mummy world. <laughs> you may, may ask, ask yourself, yourself, well, I demastered. 
as the games go by. Love you stuff. Um, so, like, why would Pernell choose this single-player game as a choice track for, like, a friendship, you know, either really now friendship Fisher or this is a single-player game, right? This, this is a single-player game. It's a single-player single experience. That's right. So why? And the reason is interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not, I think it's funny. I'm, I'm all on the board. So, like, the idea behind why I picked this track goes back to an odd conversation I was having on a PlayStation Vita forum some years ago where if you've been listening to this show long enough, you'd know how much I'm not a fan of people just, like, kind of being jerks on the Internet about games that other people like. Um, and this was something that was occurring on a forum track one day where someone was just pretty much being a real jerk to somebody who was expressing love for a game they enjoy, and I went at him for him, like, First of all, what do you have issue with this game for? Considering the fact that technically the game has sold very well. It has these fine points, and what you're expressing means nothing because you can't even explain why you don't like the game. You're just being a dirt, big turd. And I went into it, and it was enough so that a particular person was in the forum too mm -hmm. and was like, wow, you really know a lot about these games. You're really good with this stuff. I'm like, well, I don't want to brag or anything. You know? <laughs> I'm not to brag. Whatever. And yes. um, so we started chatting in this forum. And then out of nowhere, he was like, hey, you think you'd be interested in writing a review for me? And I was like, what are you talking about? It's like you get offered me candy to get in your white van. <laughs> it was just all about. But it was a legit, sincere inquiry. They wanted me to write a review for a game called The Mummy Demastered. And I was like, well, me, what's the worst that could happen? I do a bad job of it and it doesn't work again. So I take them up on the offer. I get this review code and I play The Mummy Demastered. I end up doing a pretty good job of it. And I turn it in, I write my review, submit it, and it sticks to the site. That site is called Hey Poor Player. And at that point, the person who is the editor, Francis, was like, hey, you want to do some more reviews? And I was like, okay. Now, obviously, if it was simply, you want to keep doing reviews, that wouldn't make for a friendship foundation. That's just, here's a job. Keep working for me. <laughs> yeah. But the reason why it sticks is because I didn't, I didn't respect it, but one day he was like, yo, we're having a barbecue at my house. Do you want to come over? Because surprisingly, he lives not too far from me. So I went to his house for this barbecue. I met his family. I met a bunch of his friends. And I continue to hang out with him and his friends. We play video games. We eat together. I'm friends with everyone on the site now. Mm. You know, like it's a nice connection that we have formed over these video games. And it's nice because in a sense, like kind of like how you are sometimes where it's like, hey, Pernell's having a really crappy day. I want to be a friend. I'm here. What's up? You want to talk or we'll have a beer or something? He's being a real friend. He's being I a real really friend. I really like to hear that. that. That makes me really happy to hear. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, a, he's a legit good dude. Like good. I've heard members appear where people are trying to talk crap. Like, I don't trust this guy. He said he's seedy. I'm like, seedy <laughs> how? And I'm like, look, I can't speak for business. But what I can speak for is the fact that he is showing me nothing mm -hmm. but a quality person. And you can take whatever you're saying and shove it because I'm not <laughs> buying it. Um. He's a good dude, and it's another example of the fact that video games in a number of various contexts can absolutely create foundations for friendships that can stick around for decades, yeah, absolutely. years. Yeah. Like, this freaking show is proof of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's just, don't, uh, God, I'm just kind of stealing the, and remember early, but don't leave video games just being this thing you do to kill time. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. You can have so much come out of just having video games be more of your life than just a thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and there's so much more of a social aspect than just playing together. There's so much surrounds it. Yeah. You can surround yourself. And, and, it, and it can still be positive. 
Um, and you can choose to be positive and you can choose to surround yourself with that positivity. 100%. Uh, or you can choose to be around negativity and that can affect you negatively. And as a per- and personally, I can say right now, if you're a video game negative, negative Nelly, I want no party. Go over there and cry about games you don't like for no reason. Now, keep in mind, constructive criticism is fun because you learn about what you like and what you dislike about games. Sometimes you learn about how a game can be better and heck. Yeah, but you know, there are people who just like to talk, talk, you know. Just be jerks about yeah, it. That's uh, not constructive. That's classic not internet behavior. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> hey, get it out of here. All right, my last track is coming from, surprise, another fighting game. It's surprise in the Street Fighter series. <laughs> um, this is Street Fighter 3, Third Strike. It's on the arcade. It's on the Dreamcast. It's on the Playstations. This is the, called The Longshoreman. This is the theme of Sean and Oro. This is the arranged soundtrack. Um, it's the same song. It's just arranged with better instrumentation that was on the uh, the Dreamcast release. I got to tell you, that, I what I'm drinking to hear, that went up the wrong pipe. <laughs> that statement burst. Composed by Hideki Okugawa. <laughs> Sorry for now. That was hilarious.
track is called The Longshoreman. It's the Sean and Oro's stage, the character Sean and Oro, from Street Fighter III Third Strike, composed by Hideki Okugawa. This is the arranged version from, I believe it's probably from like Street Fighter III Online. Uh, Third Strike Online Edition, or whatever they called it. This is a bop. Oh, it's so good, right? I love, I love this music. There's a comment on one of the YouTube songs where it's like, it's fi- when Street Fighter music was actually street. <laughs> <laughs> street Fighter Three, I feel like, had a very unique vibe to its OST. Oh, it did. It was divisive at the time. Some people hated it. Really? Yeah, I was really surprised to hear that. Because like, it wasn't like um, these big melodic themes like Street Fighter Two. you know? Street Fighter Two had like, everyone knows Guile's theme, Cammy's theme. Every- it's very distinctive melodies that you can recall Mm -hmm. for these characters but then you get into third strike and it was like hip-hop and jungle music and it was all this interesting dance music so yeah very divisive it makes you kind of think too i don't want to take it too far because obviously i I should also say if you're listening to the track and you're wondering what's what's wrong with the tone of the song every time there's a weird bridge of like percussion and stuff it's because it's going from like first round to second round to third round I love that yeah, about yeah. it, honestly. I can see people throwing the second match just to get to the third one. <laughs> yeah. But actually, yeah, I, I, I used to rip the soundtracks onto, uh, I had a mini-disc player, and I would play through each version of the song and then mix them together myself into one cohesive song because I always liked like, all of them together created like a story. I really enjoyed that. If you, I mean, I figure if anything, you would know this more than you definitely know this more than <laughs> me. But, like, there's that idea that music has like specific, there's specific melodies and sounds that make music stick to you, become catchy. Even if you don't like it, it just works. <laughs> it's catchy. Yeah, that's why I think pop music is, like people, like pop music producers, like the producers behind pop music, not just like the the singers and like the, the pop idols, but the producers and the musicians behind the, that music, they're like alchemists. Oh, yes. They, they, they can take like two minutes and make it stick in your brain for the next 10 years. 100%. Like, I don't know how they do it. And I, I could hate that song. I don't care about Justin Bieber or whatever, but like I will be singing that song to work every day for a week. Britney Spears' "Toxic" was the oh, first man. track that did that to me, where I was like, "I hate this song, so why am I humming it?" Like, because my coworker was obsessed with Britney Spears back mm-hmm. then, so of course he played all of her music when we were hanging out. And "Toxic" is good. I love that song. I did not like it, but I liked it. Like, <laughs> I can't. Ex- that's only you can explain. It's like it was the hook, and that's when I started looking more into like the idea of like music composition. And like what it is about music that makes people like it, or it makes it stick with their brain. And I was starting to wonder. You mentioned how like people weren't really clicking with this so much compared to the tracks from the other games. Do you think there may be something about these genres where like they're composed with a different intention? A hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. But I, I believe it's because this music is composed with like a dance music and sentimentality, which is built on repetition mm-hmm. and rhythm. And so, and a lot of times, like you. Some of like this one has kind of a melody to it, but it's not something like, you're going to think about over and over again. It's not written as a pop song. Classic Capcom music, especially in the NES and Super Nintendo days, mm-hmm. like a Mega Man th- song, Mega Man, th- Mega Man Thong song. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to write that. That was one uh, Yoko Shibamura worked with. Yoko, uh, worked with a Cisco. <laughs> Mega Man Thong song. Um, anyway, so yeah, like a Mega Man. Back that beam up. Back the beam <laughs> Back up. that beam. Ice beam up. Um, yeah, like I felt like that music was was lyrical in a way. That it was it was written like pop music. You know, you only had this much of a loop, mm-hmm. and it had to play through the whole stage. It had to like create tension and loop really well, and you had to hear it over and over again without going crazy. It had it was written with a pop music sentimentality. This music had like kind of a, a dance music 
kind of thing going on. It was inspired by dance music of the time. So while you may not find yourself like just humming it at times when you don't want to, yeah. you will find out when you're playing it and you hear rather you hear it at the time, you're like, I want to start dancing to this. Like, yeah. It, it triggers I, when it's ready. I think so. And in America, especially that like the late nineties, I feel like dance music was still getting its foothold in the States. Like there was there's always been disco, there's always been rap music, but like dance music as it was in Europe wasn't as it is as it was in Europe isn't really as it was in, in the States. Nowadays, like you hear electronic dance music everywhere. It's yes. EDM. It's 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 in festivals, in like the '90s and the '80s. Like it was still more of a niche. But now we, it's all one nice, delicious yeah. bubble of musical brew. So I got into Third Strike, especially uh, when I was working at that that arcade um, as a youngster, as a late teen, uh, because we would <laughs> after at the end of the night, I guess like 12, 12 a.m., one a.m. All the machines would go off. We would close the shop down, lock up all the doors, and there was like three or four people we would let back into the arcade and turn that one machine on. So we figured out where it was on the breakers, mm-hmm. unplugged everything off of that breaker except for that one game and just flipped it on. So everything was turned off except for Street Fighter Three. Wow. So you and guys we, went in on this. And we got pizzas, and we would all sit around and just go back and forth playing and playing and playing and teaching each other new like techniques and tricks that we figured out. We, the, the, we did that every night for a while. That was bugging me right now. Yeah. We've had TV shows called Superstore. We've had all these different shows. are like, <laughs> what is life like at this campsite? What is life like at this? We need a show about after hours arcade antics. Oh, we I want the TV show. Stuff. We used to we used to close everything down like on a Sunday night, and then um, because it was a two level arcade, that that place was massive. We had a carousel and like the mini golf. It was like an amusement park inside a building. And after hours, between like 2 and 3 a.m., we'd be playing laser tag. We had like those, we go to Toys R Us, get those little laser tag guns with a chest pack, and there'd be like 20 of us running around the whole place shooting each other with guns. And then we're like, looking back on that, I'm like, how did like the police never shoot us? <laughs> like, it was just, because <laughs> they would come through, like, they would come, they would, because the theater was still running, and they would get called for like disputes and all sorts of like, you know, shenanigans up in the movie theater. And then they would come through. Um, I was thinking about this lately. And they would come through the arcade from the um, from the, uh, the the elevator and the escalators and stuff, where that was normally blocked off. But mm-hmm. the police would just come through. And here we are running around with toy guns, like dressed in black and camouflage, <laughs> like hiding behind like arcade machines and like in the rafters, like where we weren't supposed to be, like weird places. Like, and no one, no, they never bat an eye to come over. Like, what's going on over there? We're like, yeah, um, the general manager's over there. I'm the assistant manager. There's the arcade technician. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> Just having fun. Like, hey, that's our. We earned the right to do this. We work here all day. Yeah, I, that's how it felt. Uh, you know, but man, this, this, those, those times and those places you can never really, really get back. But it's wonderful that you can take that memory, encapsulate it into something like a musical track. Yeah, and know that yeah. I hear this. It reminds me of that. This whole game, I feel like if I even like pop it back in, I'm not going to be as good as I was, but a lot of the muscle memory of the combos, of the parrying system, all that, like the rhythm of the game actually comes comes back to my hands pretty quickly. The yes. same thing with Street Fighter 4, because I played it so darn much. All right, I'm turning this track down, and we're getting into the part of the show we call the bonus round. Bonus round? Bonus round. Oh, yeah. Wow, I did it this time. <laughs> We're recording earlier, by the way, which is why I have all this energy. <laughs> Parnell's drinking whatever's in that canteen. You were drinking a tea earlier, right? Was it Not, a hop well, tea? well, I had a hop tea earlier, but this is uh, basically warm, like sparkling water 
with one of those like those like energy Lipton powder patches. Oh, so so it's caffeinated. It's definitely mm-hmm. caffeinated. Well, the bonus round is definitely not caffeinated. caffeinated. <laughs> oh, I guess it could be. Depends yeah, on what you pick. I, I'm mine's cap. Well, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> the bonus round is the, where we play covers and arrangements and remixes on our theme. Um, Pranav, what you got for us? So I was actually having a surprising difficult, surprisingly difficult time coming up with a second friendship fishers because I wanted it to be one that I felt was a good marker for like what mm. this theme means to me. That's good because I copped out. Oh! <laughs> and while I feel like I may have told this story on the show before, we have over 300 episodes, so it might be out there to be here to hurt again. So here we go. Let's do it. This comes from the game New Super Mario Brothers Wii. This is a cover of the Koopaling battle. And this was covered by Ga Metal.
welcome back. You're listening to the Koopaling Battle covered by God Metal, originally from the game New Super Mario Brothers Wii. And I totally realized that I need to make a challenge to myself to start doing some tracks from covers that are not so hard hitting. And yet at the same time, you know, I That's like what the, I like. The 300 episodes in, we kind of know <laughs> what you like. We're now going to put some hard beats on there. The lighter tunes is the surprise. And now the lighter side of Purnell. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, it's a little slower in tempo. <laughs> hey, I could have a mariachi version someday. You never know. There's the mariachi entertainment system. They are awesome. That is true. And I actually came close to bringing Scott to Network for this one, too. I was this close, but, I was oh. like, but God Metal is my baby. I love them. They are so good. But like, um, so Mario, Mario. Super Brothers Wii, I feel like me choosing this track is the embodiment of the concept of playing games with younger people who are getting into the habit of playing video games. You know, hey, look at me. I'm holding controller. I'm making the guy jump and I make him run left to right. I'm the best player at this game that ever existed. Because <laughs> that's what kids tend to do. They get yeah. into a game, they just establish dominance. And they dare you to challenge them. And as a parent or like, you know, or like just older people, we want to encourage, you know, kids to have fun with games and to play them and you know, just be the best they can be at these games. Mm. But sometimes <laughs> you gotta let kids know that you got a long way to go before you can mess with the best, quote unquote, the best. <laughs> um and that has happened to me on more than a few occasions with the kids of people I know. And I stand the reason that I feel like one of my favorites to this day was New Super Mario Brothers with my friend Anthony's children mm. because I went to visit them one day down at the beach and they were just getting into playing like the Wii as you know as a family. And I was like, hey, you know, this is also back when they first started integrating the like, four player Mario Brothers. You can all run around together and hop around, which yeah. is chaos. Which is a great idea in theory. It is in theory. <laughs> which is fun. But, yeah. <laughs> but once you actually play the Bumping game into each other and it's a chaotic, frustrating mess. <laughs> but what I play, I kind of go into it knowing I'm not playing my best today. I'm playing with friends and family. Right. It's just about having fun. Mm. But when I played, this was also the first time I played this multiplayer too, mind you. Um, we're hanging out, we're playing it. Um, his two sons are playing with us, and they just want me to know that they're really good at this game, and they're potentially better than me. So potentially, potentially better than me. So we're running around, pretty lighthearted level, and kid grabs me, throws me into a pit, and he's chuckling about it. And I say. <laughs> You know, you shouldn't really do that. That's not very nice. We're supposed to be having fun and playing together. And the kid laughs, la la, does it again. And I'm still not quite feeling like I'm telling you, I don't like it. I don't have fun have being thrown into pits. You should stop doing that. Mm-hmm. He did it one more time. Thought he was having a great time. I was like, all right, I want to have fun too. So I started grabbing him, throwing him into pits, started stealing all the power-ups. I started jumping on top of him while he was jumping over pits and stomping him into them. Like I was, I be, this kid couldn't have been more than like nine years old, like and the game. malice came out of me <laughs> in my thirties. Did not care. You want to play games? I'm here to play games too. Looked right him dead in his eyes and said, "You got years to go before you can match up to me, kid. Step Ooh. up. Don't 
be a jerk if you can't handle what comes from it. Step up to the streets, Mario. Part <laughs> three, I, episode it just, four. It just, it just, I don't, you were just taking out the younglings is what you were doing. A hundred percent. Because I'm sorry. Like, there's something. I mean, if anything, that's like a lesson in a sense. Like, if you're going to be cocky enough to say I'm the best mm-hmm. to a room full of people, in this case, just a few, be ready for the fact that someone's going to say, no, you're not. And it's time for someone to show you how much, how wrong you are. And now, don't get me wrong. If you're confident and you can do it, then then yeah, that's the time to prove, put up or shut up. You can do it. I'm the best at what I can do. And this could be a, a corporation. This could be mm. cooking. It could be literally anything. But in this scenario, it was a video game. And the person says, I just want to have fun. I'm not here to compete with you. And this person's like, man, it's more fun to be mean to you because I want to show you how much better I am. I'm like, well. Actually, I've been holding back. It's time to show you what happens when your hubris gets the best of you. You're going to cry to your parents. You take the wrist weights off, and That's you're like, right. I've only shown you a tenth of my power. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> the floor shook, and the Marios, they powered down. They powered down. <laughs> All right, my last track, my bonus round track, uh, it's, I copped out. I, I did a, uh, this is an arrangement of the jazzy New York City 99 theme from Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. This is by Insane in the Rain Music. You know what this means, though, right? What's that? Even though no. it's from a Street Fighter game, I want a made-up story about this. Oh, man, okay. You're going to make one up. I'll make one up. I'll make one up. I'm not going to make one up. <laughs>
<laughs> Special guest tonight, Pernell Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was from Insane in the Rain Music. Jazzy, New York City, 99. Arranged from Street Fighter Three Third Strike, composed by Hideki Okugawa. Oh, that I a- love everything Insane in the Rain does. They're good. I feel like this was our this was our bonus round of we love this. I love this remixer or this or this like cover artist. I want yeah. to do. I want to listen to it again. I just yeah. I know it. It, it really is true. Yours was God Metal. Mine was Insane in the Rain music. I'm not gonna come up with another story for oh, this. Come game. on, <laughs> gotta have some fun with just some ridiculous narrative. Um. Okay. I got really into playing this online. And it was on Microsoft three, uh, Microsoft three. It was on um, Xbox three sixty. Xbox three sixty. Oh my gosh, that's where it all started, Pernell. Microsoft three sixty five. It was on Microsoft, and um, yeah, and I would get some hate mail from from that thing. You know, calling me all sorts of nasty names and stuff. And then that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell your mom. <laughs> you <know? laughs> the beautiful part is he didn't make that up. I'm sure you got some actual like, oh, way oh. to spam that cheap character. I used to get lots of hate on Street Fighter four for sure. Lots of hate because I played Abel. But yeah, Third Strike, I definitely got a bunch of nasty stuff. Yeah. I believe it. Like, and so every once in a while, someone's like, oh, that was really good. We should play again. I'm like, oh, I, I'm, that was a good message to get. You know, someone appreciates a good, a good match, even if they lost. And then you're like, oh, you're, you're fighting lame, using that lame thing over and over again. I'm like, come on. And there's just something. Get used to it. Extra, <laughs> like, just weak about that. Like, it's one so thing to be weak. upset about a loss. I get it. I've yeah. been there. We've all been there. We've been, to... we, we had a chat about this earlier today. Yeah. About the situation. But, yeah, you lose, you lose, you, you lose. learn. To take the energy to get on the keyboard, initiate text, <laughs> type the text, Get two chances to confirm the scent. Yeah. And still do it. <laughs> Checking for typos. Yeah. Like, hey. I got to make sure because if you don't check for typos, that's going to make it look real bad. We're like, well, this guy's being sore. Oh, and he's not even typing yeah, right. Yeah, didn't say the F word correctly. Come on, man. <laughs> Where's uh, the, what's, that, what's that asterisk doing there? It makes sense. But, like, yeah, just, I get it. Just if you're gonna write, be like, hey, nice combo there, nice that's hyper true. combo that's finish. That, that's how I, that's how I met uh, Peppa Jack playing Street Fighter Four. It was like it was just you know, it takes a it takes a and, and Street Fight Street Fighter and fighting games in general is a game genre where you have to lose before you get good, and you have to lose a lot. So you have to be really okay with not winning for a very long time, mm-hmm. which most <coughs> most people playing video games don't want to feel that way. You want to you want to feel accomplished. And like encouraged to keep playing. In this game, there the only encouragement is you lose. And you're like, what did I do? <laughs> and you just summed up Dark Souls for me. Yeah, that, that, I feel like it's a very similar um, game loop. It's a very similar style. I think a lot of fighting game players, a lot of rhythm game players, and a lot of people playing the Souls games, they all there's like there's a there's some kind of Venn diagram where they all fit in that. It's like a weird, like it's like a Rama one half episode that had the title was always something I liked. It was like to lose is to win. Rama's battle with like Moose or something like <laughs> that's, that. Yeah, real good. that's really what it is. If you if you're not if you're if you're winning too much, then you're not playing people who you're never going to get better because you got to keep playing people who are better. Mm-hmm. It's like lifting weights. You have to you have if if you're if it's too light for you, then you're not going to get any stronger. And anyway. I'm I'm slowly learning that now. <laughs> So for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com where we'll have links to the artists' SoundClouds and Bandcamps and everywhere you can get the music, buy the music, and support these artists.
Yep, we are ending on uh, DDR third mix. Follow the sun you by bet, Triple J. You bet your gravy boat we are. <laughs> I was not a big fan of most of the OST for DDR third mix, but this was one of the ones uh, other that the, I would play consistently. If you played them one of the Korean versions, like the the the, the pump it up crossovers, because they were just Korean pop songs that mm. were in the game. Those were good. Yes. Remember um, Starion? A star. Yeah, Starion was good. That was like it had one of the best notepads. You had to spin in a circle and yeah. then spin backwards. Starion. That was a good, good. Song. I can't remember. The, I want to find the rest of those now. So some of them were slow jams too. So no one ever played them. And that's what throws me for loops today. I did like when you do the bar stuff. Like to do that song with the bar versus not. I double step. Yeah, it wouldn't be as enjoyable. Like when I learned that the way to do it and the way they, I hope they intended it was like to actually run in a circle. And then run backwards in a circle. It was like this is so much fun, but then to me facing it entirely is like like I get it, it's fun because fun is what you make of it. But I'm like you're missing on this really cool flow. No, oh. yeah, it is because because if you're if you're playing for accuracy and for score, nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else matters except for hitting it on time every time. I'm double stepping every. every <laughs> second. I don't care. That same foot is hitting every arrow. <laughs> I am not turning my body. <laughs> I haven't done a crossover in, gosh, it must be 10 years. It's been a long time. Oh, I don't man. know if I can anymore. That might I be don't know if I can. If you go to Railroad, maybe they'll like, pick a song that's like on a lower difficulty specifically to see if you I'm can still a, do a crossover. I'm having a hard time. I try, every time I try, it's like, miss, 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 miss. Like, oh. <laughs> anyway, that's enough DDR talk. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of Friendship Foundations and Friendship Fishers. Kind of a, a reprise of last week's episode. The RMP edition. Yeah, this is the RMP RMP in the shade mix. And it's worth noting that the other reason why this track is ending it too is the fact that even though we didn't become friends because of this track or this game, I genuinely stand to believe that the game is why we actually clicked as like connected friends long term. Because yeah. Yeah. it was like, hey, here's this game. We're going to just keep playing ad nauseum for years. For the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how am I how can I how can I maintain my body so I can play this when I'm sixty years old? Yeah, like you know, I, as I'm going to. And I, to this day, like I remember like I was I was at home, I was bored out of my mind, I had nothing really going on. And like I was watching like freaking like One Life to Live on TV at BBC. Oh my god! Like I used to watch that like like daytime the, stuff. Yeah, I was like the one soap opera I ever watched, and I'm glad it's over. Um, but like I ended up going to the mall. And I was like, I'm gonna go run this errand at the mall. You want to go? I was like, Oh sure, I guess that'll be fine. And I was like, went out the house. We were walking into the mall entrance, and you were walking out. Yeah. You were on your way to the arcade to play the, uh, the new DDR machine that was up the street. And I was like, you're going to check. I was like, oh, I want to go with you. I'm going to go with you. Can I go with you? He was like, yeah, sure. You guys let me ride in the car with you. Because at the time, I didn't even own a car. And we hung out and played DDR that day. And then we kept playing DDR. That, so, and that was it. That was it. Yeah. So it's like, it just goes to show you sometimes even like just weird events. Because that solely happened because at that time, I was that bored. And at that time, someone said, you want to go do this thing? I was like, eh, whatever. And then I bumped into you at the mall on a weird time coincidence. Like, the stars aligning yeah. to have that situation occur. Like, I always make these comments, and it's also kind of why, like, Andy Richter controls the universe, because he starts the episode with a diatribe is exactly like this, which <laughs> is that so many things can happen at any given point in time, and the fact that any of them can coalesce in a way that any other event can occur is amazing in and of itself. Like, yeah. you can't even dispute that. It's just phenomenal in this work. So I'm like... I always look back on like weirdness that happened that day. 
and I don't discredit any event ever occurring because I know it could lead to something different. It could lead to something different. Yeah. Some some things happen that are just terrible, but like some things like they they wouldn't mean anything normally, and then suddenly it's like now I have a friend for life. Yeah. You know like how that happened. And I even go so far as to say, I mean, obviously bad things are bad, but if you look, if you sit down one day and just like trying to just have a moment, you have some tea. And just look at just events in life. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes bad things even lead to just good things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, did it at the time it was horrible that it happened, but you were able to endure it and overcome and remember here you go. And overcome <laughs> and endure it, thereby leading to the thing that wouldn't have occurred if the bad thing didn't happen to you first. Like it's weird, but it's just how it is. And I kind of ride that wave a lot too. Like, man, this really sucked. The one good thing that could come out of it is that something good could come out of it later. Yeah. Let me push through this thing. Perseverance, Pernell. That's a Souls game for you. <laughs> Absolutely. That is that is stamina ITG. Just persevere. Don't let your heart give out. <laughs> um, Trade it. Um, anyway, if you like the show, if you like what you're hearing, and you want to write in, if you want to say hi to us, if you want, if you have a track suggestion, if you have a topic suggestion, any kind of suggestion. We love to listen to it. We love getting emails from listeners. We read every single one. Please send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for a full track listing from this episode and access to all of our episodes and even access to our Discord, you can go to our website. Rhythmandpixels.com. Um, the website's cool. It's got everything on there. It's even got uh, links to some cool merchandise on um, rhythmandpixels.com slash merch. You can get some cool T-shirts with some uh, sound team logos on SNK sound team. You can get the uh, Konami sound team. You can get Run VGM t-shirts and hoodies. If you come across somebody in the street that's wearing an opposing when you have a sound battle. <laughs> Someone at Target saw me wear my Mega Drive shirt. So, yeah, I made a, a Sega Mega Drive, like, classic, like, 80s, like, Sega style. And it looked awesome. And someone's like, Mega Drive. And I was like, that's right. That's I, awesome. I know what's up. But we're all wearing our masks. I don't know who that person was. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so yeah, there's some cool shirts there. You can check it out. Um, and the you can Discord. check us out on what? The Discord link's there, too, right? Uh, the Discord's on the website. It's at the top. That'll go there. And if you have a YouTube radio station playing nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit classics, that's on youtube.com slash rhythmandpixels. And if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is just you know tell people about it. Um, people are saying, what are you listening to? And you say, I'm listening to video game music. And you say, well, they say, what do you mean? And you just hand them a podcast. Rhythm and Pixels. Uh, it's, it's, a car- it's, a, it's a cardboard cutout of Purnell's face. Burn. And on the back is a QR code. <laughs> I apologize. That's like days. the next thing I'm going to make. <laughs> <laughs> People walking around like, oh, God, don't even mind. This is going to be for Vendetta. But everybody's walking around with a cardboard Purnell face. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also uh, support us by going to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. Um, and there, not just having the satisfaction of supporting me and Pernell doing this podcast every week. You also get some cool stuff like access to our monthly live stream episodes. There's some prequel episodes on there, some additional content and there's t-shirts and mugs and there's even stickers, which are are really cool too. So check that out. And we also like to thank all of our uh, Patreon members all at the highest levels at the end of every episode. So I'd like to start with Brooke. Thank you very much. Frankly, Zappa, thank you very, very much. All both of you, our, our aces in our book. Yes. I want to thank the number one. Again, no name, number one. Number one. Uh, Game Fan 44, thank you so much. Mike Myers, Alf Person, Fashion 8060, Alex Messenger from a VGM Journey podcast, a fantastic podcast. Listen to that. Uh, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast. 
Chris Steenerson, Chris Weisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Christopher Sendstrom, Davy Cakes, David Taylor. Um, oh, I think this is a new uh, Patreon member. We have Enchilada Rigol. Thank that you very much. That is new. Yeah, I didn't even see you pop in there. So we should have like a, we should have like a sound effect every time this happens. <laughs> uh, note to self, add sound effects. Uh, Harold Howard, uh, Jeff Masiota, thank you so much. Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio. Uh, Martiris, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version Podcast. Michael Jennings. Rage Cage, um, owner of the VG Emporium. All your all your blips and blops that are fit to rate. I should also say Martiris's sound uh, uh, podcast is also called the Re VGM Podcast, which is all covers and remixes of video game music. Take a track. How many ways can you flip it? Smack it up. Spin it around. Rub it down. Oh no! <laughs> um, and we also have a uh, Reinhardt Silkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco. And Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy podcast, whose last episode was all about music from the the Quattro NES games. I had like four oh, games wait, in wait, one. Oh wait, the Dispin Dizzy Worlds and all that. Yeah, Dizzy was in them. Their music is fantastic. The game's not so great. Yeah, that's why I never gave them a chance because of that last part. But, but now you um, got me thinking. Almost all of them, most of the games anyway, were um, one developer, one composer did the, the whole thing. Wow. Because a lot of them were ports from like the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum. So okay. um, it's really, really good. It's a really great episode. It's a great show. Check them. Check, check him out. Check, check, check it. Microphone checker. So I want to remember, before I forget, I want to say two things. Yes. I'm always forgetting these things. Game Fan 44, if you can believe it, I am legitimately still playing through Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. I haven't forgotten you. I am going to get you that stunky. It's going to happen. Oh, we have, promise. A, we have a Pokemon Pokemon trade happening on the, on the podcast. That's right. <laughs> I am actually making my way through the game. I'm trying to do an all-steel type run as I get them, mind you. Yeah. So it's adding a little bit more time, plus this time is at a premium, which leads me to the second statement. So the last Rican, I listened to your last episode of the VGM Fight Club, and I did hear your challenge. Um, for those not in the know, he issued a challenge to me to how fast one of us could play through Mega Man's 1 through 11, as in just over a span of time, who can do it the fastest. And as much as I think it would be an awesome thing to do, you've already heard me say how limited my time is in these days. Like, I could not. He would stomp me just oh. by virtue of time. Put down the Elden Ring. You can you can burn through 1 through 4 or 5 in one night. I know that. Well, no. Couldn't you? Maybe two of those games, but not four of them. Hell, Mega Man 1 is probably one of the hardest ones to me. Mm. Um, but with that said, if you're willing to tailor this challenge down a bit, so it's not so much a matter of who can squeeze in the most free time in a period of time and be more about just this, like the level of effort that it takes to, just to do the effort or do the job, I'm totally down for the challenge. Me and Mega Man go back like wine and spirits. I'm in. <laughs> um, and just because I like I've never heard that. <laughs> That's a new one. I just love Mega Man, so you know I'm in to have a challenge with you, buddy. But it has to be something where I feel like I have an actual chance. Yeah, give Pernell a chance. <laughs> that's what that's what it is. Give Pernell a chance. Right there with peace. <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody for for supporting the show, and thank you everybody for listening to the show. Um, Rhythm and Pixels. Uh, we'll see you next week. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a good day. And remember, you kind of heard it earlier in the episode, but just to summarize it, you know, be you know, be kind to people online. Constructive criticism is a virtue, not something to be dissuaded by just saying, this game sucks, you suck for liking it. <laughs> um, no one wants that. No one needs that. It's adding nothing to the discourse. Um, and then, of course, music, games, and memories all co-align to 
a fantastic <laughs> general experience. Enjoy them, not just as a thing you do to kill time. Enjoy them as a way to spend time with those you care about, exchange memories with those you care about, or just to potentially have memories with people you haven't even met yet. Just enjoy yourself.